Pray with me if you will. God, thanks for interrupting our present with our future. Thank you for the great reminder of the power that is even now present with us and the perspective that is even now ours if we will but understand. So we ask you to come right now and and let this word break into our lives so that we can very personally hear from Jesus. Lord, we would see Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, Jesus has been preaching to us the Sermon on the Mount. Man, he's just finished this section on, uh, on how to lay up treasures in heaven, how to manage your uh, material goods, uh, body, finances, uh, um, investment in people, how to manage that so that it has eternal rewards. And then he begins to close the section with a challenge. He says this, You know, you can't really serve uh, two masters. No one can. You can't serve um, uh, two because either you'll love the one and hate the other, or you'll draw close to the one and despise the other. In other words, he says, you can't serve God and money. You got to choose. Now, presumably at the end of this, uh, this wonderful message, people do choose and they choose God. But he knows what will happen as soon as you make a choice. It is human nature, as soon as anybody makes a commitment, to have second thoughts. It's human nature, as soon as anybody starts to go one direction, to have this little voice, oh, should you go there? Shouldn't you go over here? And you're going to begin to worry. Do you think that worry ever goes away? It's somewhat comforting to me to know that this whole thing of worry is not a modern dynamic. This is 2,000 years ago. And he'd, been, he'd, he'd, he'd had a heritage of thousands of years of, of, of observation of people. We don't worry because we live in the 20th century. We don't worry because we live in the American culture. We don't worry because life is so fast. We worry because it's human nature. And you know what? Many of us uh, have a false assumption that if we just wait a while, worry will go away. Or if we get into another stage of life, then we'll have more wisdom and more understanding and we won't worry so much. Watch this. It's so hard being my age. There's so much to worry about. Getting to a decent college, getting a nice car. I mean, I work so hard and every day more and more is piled on. It's like I'm trapped in this vicious cycle. Soon I won't have to worry. I'll be out of high school, be 18 and on my own. No one will be telling me what to do. It'll be smooth sailing from then on. It's so hard being my age. I can't believe I was worried at 16. What did I have to worry about? Now is when I really got stuff to worry about. I got car payments, rent. I work so hard every day. And every day more and more is piled on. It's like I'm trapped in this vicious cycle or something. But soon, I'm not going to have to worry. Going to get a decent job, get married, have a couple kids, nice house. It'll be smooth sailing from then on. It is so hard being my age. You know, I I can't believe I was worried at 24. What did I have to worry about? Oh, now, 
Now's the time to worry. You got, you got house payments. You save enough money to get the kids into a decent college. I just work so hard, and every day more and more is piled on. I'm just caught in this, this vicious cycle. Oh, but soon, real soon, I won't have to worry. Kids will be out of the house and in college or married and settled down. It'll just be me and my wife. Gonna be smooth sailing from then on. It's so hard being my age. I, I can't believe that I was so worried at 40. You know, what did I have to worry about? Now I really have things to worry about. Like, like trying to stretch these retirement funds, and, and I work so hard, but yet every day more and more keeps piling up. You know, it's like I'm, I'm trapped in a, a real vicious cycle. But soon I won't have to worry, because soon I'll... Oh, my. Cause nothing's ever gonna be all right, no how. No matter how struggling you I'll ever get out of this world alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, worry doesn't take care of itself. Worry doesn't go away with time. Nor does it go away with the stages of life. And that's why Jesus um, so directly addresses it. And that's why he sums up the, the close of this section of the Sermon on the Mount with this section on worry. If you have your scriptures with you, you might want to turn to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And beginning with verse 25, he says, For this reason... Or therefore. Now, therefore is a summing up phrase. I know we, you've understood this. I know you understand the demands. I know you've made a decision. So this is the last thing you need to, you need to consider. I say to you, do not be anxious. Now, in the Greek, this is an interesting phraseology. It's a phraseology that says... Um, it's the present imperative, verb, tense, and mood, which is something that is, describes a repetitive or continuous action. In other words, Jesus isn't just saying to you one time, hey, don't worry about it, and that's supposed to take care of it. He knows you're going to worry about it. As a matter of fact, he knows you're worrying now. And this verb tense could say, I know you're worrying right now. Cut it out. Stop. Worrying. Interrupt your worry. Now, let's again take a look at this. Let's be very honest about our anxiety. And let's never put the dichotomy of if you had faith, you wouldn't worry. Jesus fully recognized we'd worry all the time. That's why he's even talking about it. He didn't think faith would just automatically take care of worry. A recent survey of primary physicians... Uh, has noted that they believe that fully one-third of the visits they have in their office are prompted by anxiety. Another survey says that 
5% of this nation, 65 million people will have diagnosable anxiety disorders during some time of their life. Now, an anxiety disorder is not mere periodic worry. It is a worry that continues and continues until it is disabling. It is so distracting. So therefore, this is a very prominent feature in our culture today and a very prominent feature in our lives. But what Jesus said, what Jesus was saying was, this is something that can be interrupted. It is very normal to start second guessing yourself. It's very normal to begin to wrestle with questions that you can't really answer. And, and the normalcy of it and the, and the dynamic of it is, is one that comes in the word itself. The etymology of the word worry means to choke or to strangle. Some, you see, something's already living and something else comes in and tries to cut it off and kill it. There were several times in Jesus' ministry when he, when he approached this dynamic. Remember the seed that grows up and these cares of the world grow up around it. And what do they do? They choke out that seed. And so here is um, um, what Jesus says. He says, do not be anxious. In other words, I know you're anxious. I know you're worrying right now. Cut it out. For your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink or for your body as to what you shall put on. Now, right there, he's addressed the problem and immediately he goes to the solution. You see, one of the great things about the faith is that it's short on analysis and long on solutions. That's just the opposite of the world, especially of those things that we expect to relieve our worry. The world believes not only that maybe time will take care of it, but maybe money will take care of it. If I have enough money, that would take care of it. As a matter of fact, uh, two years ago there was done a, a survey uh, of, of uh, thousands of seniors in college. And they were asked what to them were the most important things in life. 74% of them said that to have a lot of money was absolutely crucial in living a happy life. Now you go back to just the year 1970, when that same survey was taken, taken only 39% of people back then gave that answer. It's increased to 74% that believe a lot of money is crucial to a happy life. But yet according to another survey of the Fortune 500 companies and the top 100 CEOs in the country as to the gauge of their happiness. Those people who have that money are no happy, no more happy, nor, nor less happy than anybody else. Money, other than just meeting the basic needs, seems to have absolutely no effect on our anxiety level or on, on our happiness level. Neither do, does gender have a discernible effect or age or, 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 or all of those circumstances we would expect to relieve our anxiety? You know what does have a discernible effect? Faith. Faith. And, it's, and the reason is because faith supplies the answer. And all that, all that, now I'm, I, please don't, I'm not against psychology. 
It's the business of psychology to analyze problems. But psychology itself will say they don't have the solution. According to a survey of psychological abstracts from the year 1967 to the year 1995, just a subject survey of those abstracts, all of the psychological abstracts taken together, 5,300 of those were written on anger. 38,000 of them were written on anxiety. 48,000 of them were written on um, um, uh, depression. 48,000 on depression. Now listen to this. 1,500 even mentioned happiness. 2,300 were written about satisfaction. Only 400 mentioned joy. Do you get the ratio? 21 to 1, negative to positive. Now I want you to note the difference in Jesus. Jesus starts out stating the problem. He doesn't go into a long analysis of the problem. He just say, I know you're worried. And immediately, what's he do? He says, I tell you what, let's get this in perspective. Look at what he says. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now, I want to tell you two things here. First of all, I want to tell you that he's, he never says we don't have to work. Retirement to God is not not having to work. We work all our lives. Work is a joy. Work is fun. You don't see a bird laying down on the ground and go, okay, give it to me. <laughs> Just drop it in here, Lord. Birds work. They just don't worry about it. See, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the picture. Go ahead and be active. You always are active, doing something constructive. But don't worry about it. The second thing I want you to see that Jesus says is, you are more important than the birds. Now, I know in the 90s, this is a dangerous message. Because <laughs> everybody be like, oh, well, trees and animals and people, oh, they're all about to worth the same. That's not Jesus' message. Now, please hear me. God made creation, and we need to respect it. We need to treat it with respect. Please hear me. Don't go out and, you know, slap around your dog or cut down a tree just for spite or kick a bush or whatever. <laughs> now, you need to respect. But you know what? You're so much more important than they are to God. God's got this special thing for you. Don't ever put yourself on that level. Jesus never does. And God said, God's going to take such better care of you because he has a heart for you. He loves you. He made that. He loves you. So it's very important then in that perspective to read the next sentence. It says, in which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? <laughs> I can just, I'm just here. Pause. Now, the picture here is, does worry do you the slightest bit of good? Maybe we should stop just for a moment and say, the Bible doesn't um, ever forbid us being concerned about something and rightfully concerned about something. The Bible, for example, says, 
Be on the alert for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So there's a little bit of anxiety in there, in there? Yeah, a little bit. And that's okay. Be a little bit. Mm, okay, I'm kind of watching here. That in, in Luke 21, Jesus says, I'm coming again. Be sober. Be watchful. What, what is happening there is God has kind of plotted this graph for us. As a matter of fact, I read a book this week uh, by um, Edward Hollowell on, on uh, worry. He's a, he's a, uh, a doctor at Harvard University. And he kind of plots out this graph on, on productivity. And, and if this side is productivity and this side is anxiety, the bottom is anxiety, he would say that there is uh, an increase initially with anxiety of productivity that it actually helps us somewhat, a little bit, for a short period of time, helps us somewhat in our productivity. Now, most of us know that. <laughs> most of us, as, as soon as we get concerned, we will be a little bit more active, a little bit more alert. And so worry in itself is not awful. And, and by the way, people who worry or people who are always a little bit concerned about what you have to say are not awful either. I know, I know some of you have people in your life that you can present them the, the absolute most fantastic picture and they will pick out the one negative thing about it and concentrate on that. And it, it just drives you nuts. I had a grandmother like this, you know. I could go in and tell her the most wonderful story in the world and she'd find something to worry about. And, and I'd say to her, Grant, can't you can't you just relax one time? Can't you can't you just can't you just be happy and just let it just let it go, and 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 not look for everything that could go wrong? And the answer was no. You know why? Because that was her form of love. That was her form of love. And I had, to, I had to just kind of back up and say, you know what? My grandmother loves me, and this is her way of being concerned for me. So even though it's annoying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, okay, thanks, Grant. Thanks for pointing that out to me. And so don't cut those people off. At the, at, they've, been, they've been trained, and they're trying to protect you. Um, but when your worry extends, watch this. Remember the, remember the chart? Productivity, anxiety. When your worry continues there's a bell curve to this, and there's a point of diminishing returns. The longer anxiety goes on, the more it plateaus in, forms of, in, in, in terms of productivity, and then it starts going down. And you start to become counterproductive, and it becomes a consistent distraction in your life. Now, at that point, Jesus says, let me ask you something. Is, that, is, the, is, the, is the concentration on that doing you any good at all? Is that adding one thing to your life? One cubit to your lifespan? Now, some, some of your Bibles read, uh, does it add one cubit to your height? That, that would be a, a bad way to interpret that particular uh, passage because the idea here is it doesn't even incrementally help you. One cubit is 18 inches. Believe me, I know if somebody added 18 inches to my height, it would make a difference. <clears throat> I know about short and tall. Uh, or at least about short. So anyhow, I, it, it's not about height. It's not about stature. It's, it's about span or length. Will, will worry cause you to, to have one more step to take in life? 
Will, will, it, will it expand your life even one more step? Will it, will it expand the length of your life, even, even 18? No, it won't, is the, is the answer there. It doesn't add anything. As a matter of fact, it shortens your life. All of the studies we have say stress takes away from your life. And so Jesus is simply saying to us, look, you're not getting any good out of this. It just feels like you're getting good. You know why we worry? I give you two reasons. First of all, there's kind, all of us have kind of a ghoulish interest in what could go wrong. Let me, let me I, it's true. When you drive past an accident, what do you do? And you feel bad about looking, don't you? Wonder if anybody's hurt. You feel bad about looking. But all of us drive past slowly, say, hmm, nothing mangled, okay. And you go ahead. There's this ghoulish drawing in. It's the same way with things that could go wrong in life. There's an interest there. There's a drawing there, power, that we really don't understand. I know why we want to look at negative stuff. I don't know. But it's there. The second thing is that it makes us feel like we're making some improvement simply because we're putting some effort into it. Now, worry is kind of a funny thing because, because you never avoid, you don't avoid, nor do you address the problem. You don't avoid it, nor do you address it. So therefore, there can't be any improvement in it. All you're doing is expending emotional energy. And Jesus is saying this to you. You know what? Just because you expend energy doesn't mean you're improving things one bit. It doesn't mean you're helping. It just feels like somehow you're trying to help. It's like the old, the old joke about the three drunks that climb into a rowboat at night and they're going to row toward the island. And in the morning they're still rowing. They think this is the farthest island we've ever seen. And the sun comes up and, and they notice they, they never lifted the anchor. When you worry, your efforts are just like that. You've still stayed anchored to the problem. Let me ask you a question. Do you think... If you could have solved that problem, you wouldn't have solved it by now? Of course you would. You're still anchored into your own efforts. And, and that's why worry is not going to help one bit. Some has to change. Circumstance, God has to change those circumstances or God has to change those hearts. But somehow God has to intervene. You don't interrupt your worry not to worry. You interrupt your worry to believe. Look at what it says. Jesus says this. And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then. Saying it again, just in case you... He said, you know what? You've already started worrying, haven't you? So he says it again. Do not be... Wait a minute. Interrupt it. Stop worrying. Now this... Let me just point this out. These are the red words in the Bible. This is Jesus talking. This is not me talking. This is him. Stop worrying right now. Stop. Interrupt your worry. Do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
Jesus asks us this. What's the difference between your life and the life of an unbeliever? What's the difference between the way you approach potential problems and the way a non-believer approaches potential problems? He said this should be the difference. You should approach potential problems without an ambivalent sense of whether or not they're going to get taken care of. Because you have a father who cares for you, who has promised to be your rescuer. Turn, if, you have, if you have your scriptures with you, turn to Psalm 34. By the way, Psalm 34 is a wonderful chapter to read if you're worried about something. If you want an actual biblical tool to interrupt your worry in the right, in the right way, Psalm 34. Let me just read a few of these verses. Verse 4. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. And He delivered me from all of my fears. I want you to notice the positive correlation between the increased seeking of the Lord and the decreased effect of fear. There's a positive correlation. The more you seek the Lord, the less you're going to be afraid. It says in verse 7, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer. The strongest animals, the most fierce animals, the most aggressive animals in the world are going to experience lack and hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. This means you. This is a wonderful promise. It says as you read on down, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Now, I know as we come in here, we don't feel like we're the righteous, and we're not. But everyone who's accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior has His righteousness. You have the perfect righteousness. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The Lord is near, says in verse 18, to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He saves them. It's His habit. It's His character. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. We realize that God doesn't, doesn't save us from the circumstances. He just saves us from the consequences of being crushed. Look at what it says. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. It says right here in my Bible, all. What do we got to worry about? <laughs> what do we got to worry about? We've got to get over it. We've got to get over this, this ambivalence. We've got to be, well, yeah, Jesus is, the, Jesus is the Savior that saves us for heaven. When did Jesus cease being the Savior for the earth as well? well is, he just, is he just a fire insurance policy? Or is he one who actually controls life down here on earth and saves us from that which we worry about? No, he's the, it's, it's, this isn't, we don't have to maintain, the, the, so much in this society says, well, you've got you've to see the problems, you've got to maintain an objective stance. Faith is not objective. Faith is a reality, 
and there's an objective reality to faith, but faith itself puts all its eggs in one basket. That's God. Not in a divided thing. Not in divided strength. And so faith is something that we can say, I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe it. I remember a story about a lady who once was having real trouble. Uh, her, her faith was wavering. And she didn't know where she stood with God. And another Christian said to her, well, let me ask you something. Your name is Mrs. Franklin. That's right. When did you become Mrs. Franklin? Well, uh, when I got married. No, no, no. When in the ceremony did you become Mrs. Franklin? He said, she said, well, I guess it was the minister said, you know, do you take this man to be your wedded husband? The woman said, that's correct. Now, what did you say to that? Did you say, well, I hope so. No, I didn't say that. Did you say, well, I'd like to. We'll, all, we'll see how it works out. No, I didn't say that. What did you say? I said, I will. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, when the Holy Spirit came to you and says, will you have Christ as your Savior? What did you say? She said, I will. Then you're just as much a child of Christ under his protection now as you were then, just as you're just as much a wife to Mr. Franklin as you were then. This is not something you waver about. You don't go back and forth. There, there was a Roman philosopher, Carnides, who was, a, was one of the leaders of the skeptics in ancient Rome. And his talent was this. He could argue either side of any proposition with equal persuasion, equal articulation, equal passion. And it was very entertaining. A greater philosopher, Cato, came in and said to the people of Rome, do not listen to this man. Because listening to that will eventually rob you of all your convictions. And out of respect for Cato, they banished Carnides. I want to tell you we have that voice rampant in this society. That people flopping back and forth. I believe this. Oh, no, I don't believe that. Well, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that and I can see that. And, and, and every time somebody makes a commitment, there's a little voice. Oh, no, you shouldn't do that. Shouldn't, shouldn't have a full commitment. This, whole, this, this wonderful thing of the promise keepers in Washington. And people are trying to give equal time to people who say, oh, watch out. What's to watch out with men who want to love their wives and stick with their children? What's to watch out? I don't get this. I don't understand this. No, faith is a commitment. And to their credit, they're not saying, no, this is a whatever. We're, 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 doing, we're dealing with ourselves here. And we're claiming to be sure it doesn't matter what anybody else says. This is what we're doing. I will, you see. And so anytime you can interrupt your worry with that phrase, I will. I, I'm going to do this. I will do it. And how you continue in that manner. Every time you interrupt your, 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 your worry, you don't just stop worrying. Then you refocus. Look what Jesus says. It says, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, guess what he says again? Do not be anxious. He says, you start worrying again, didn't you? Therefore, I'm telling you again, do not, stop it. Stop worrying. 
Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know what? You know how many, how much energy you're given to, how much uh, energy solving problems you're given? A day at a time. A day at a time. Don't waste this energy on what might come up. You need your energy for today. But let's go back to the focus, and I'll close with this. It's important to understand that the chief thing Jesus is saying, the chief solution Jesus has, is to keep looking for God. Keep looking to God. And, and, and worry will naturally have a, a lessening hold on you, a lessening choke, a lessening strangulation, because that's where you're putting your hope. This week, uh, Becky and I flew up to uh, the Cleveland Clinic to have physicals. Don't ask, it's a long story. <laughs> but uh, when, and Becky, Becky loves me by, by telling, telling me what I need to tell the doctor about myself. And so she had this little short list, and she, she, said, she said, Don't forget to tell him you're getting deaf. <laughs> I said, Okay, thanks. And so went, in, went into the, the hearing specialist, you know, and she was a wonderful, I mean, tremendously competent uh, doctor, and, and went through the hearing specialist. And, and it came out that my hearing's still in a normal range. And uh, so, so, yeah, you're reading the end of this, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> So I said, well, why do I feel like I can't hear as well? And she, she, she was about my age, and she said, well, you know, when we start getting older, um, there is a tendency to not assimilate all of the sounds that are going on around you. When you were younger, all of that was, you just grabbed all of it and you just kind of assimilated it all and you all, you took it all in. But when you get older, you don't have the interest or the capacity to really want to take it all in. And so it just be, kind of becomes noise to you. Now I'm thinking to myself, so she's telling me I'm not going deaf, I'm going dumb. <laughs> But here's how I choose to look at that. <laughs> I think she's right. I'm much more focused than I was when I, you know, a two-year-old will stick everything in his mouth just to check it out. Is this good to eat? Is this good to eat? And when we grow up, we just, we take all the world in, not discerning what's good and bad beforehand. But maturity is connected with focus. If you, if you take a speed reading course, the first thing they'll tell you in that speed reading course is this. Don't let that book dictate what it's going to teach you. You decide what you want to learn from the book. And you learn that, and other things will be added as well. I would say to all of us, we've got to decide what we're going to focus on. That's maturity. I've decided to focus on Jesus. And everything's going to be kind of background noise. If it mixes in with my focus on Jesus, that's great. If it doesn't, it's going to fall away and burn anyhow. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All the rest of that stuff, it'll come. Quit worrying. Pray with me. God, thank you for your great promise to us that you would provide, you would rescue you would love us more than we ever realized. 
Lord, give us the faith that we already have in Christ. Give it back to us. Help us to focus our attention on you, on your character, on your adequacy, on your plan for our lives, and help us not to put all our energy into things that we can't make a difference in anyhow. Help us, Lord God, to just have the rest that comes with faith, that comes with trust. Help us, dear Jesus, to give us, to, to have all that you would give us and to continue our activity without the worry. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.